Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. We're often driven by more powerful emotions. So if I'm getting angry during the conversation, that anger is often tied to a fear. If you can connect your emotional reaction to a deeper fear, it will help you explain that better to your partner. And if your partner, in their own curiosity, can understand that, hear that, validate that, even if you don't ever agree, you can stay much more connected in the process. Welcome back to the Building Us Podcast. I'm Eric Garcia, Certified Financial Planner and Financial Advisor. And as always, I'm joined by Dr. Matt Morris, Family Therapist. What's happening, Matt? How are you, man? It's a beautiful day. It's not beautiful where I'm at. It is rainy and windy and hot. But that's all right because it is always 76, 4, 5 degrees here with a good humidity inside the office. So I am, I'm good. So inside is wonderful. It is, especially in August in New Orleans. Inside's fantastic. All right, before we get in today's show, a couple quick housekeeping things. First, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, it's fun to watch our, our, uh, our listening, um, the, the people listening to our show grow. It's fun to watch those stats. So for all of you people who loyally listen to our show and download our podcast, we thank you. We want to give you an opportunity to contribute to the show. If you go to our website, building-us.com, uh, there's a place where you can actually drop us a note, drop a question. If there's a topic um, you want us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you and incorporate uh, your your comments or your thoughts, your questions into our show. So if you go to building us Dot com. Drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Matt, in this episode, we're going to go back a little bit to our roots. This is kind of where we started uh, when we started working together. And it was really around this idea of how can couples have healthy conversations around money? So that's where I want to go today. You got that in you? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I'm going to let you kind of kind of lead us off a little bit right here as the couples counselor, as the one who uh, you probably more often than me are sitting with a couple, sitting with two people who are maybe struggling with communication, right? So before we even talk about maybe some questions to help facilitate some of these conversations around money, what are, what are some like ground rules for, um, for healthy communication, for having healthy conversation? Yeah, and just to put this in a little bit of context, I am a a therapist who sees clients every week. Uh, Most of my clients are couples. And and so I'm frequently talking to people about their relationships. And when you talk about relationships, you you talk about communication. And so talking to, to people about healthy communication, watching them communicate, watching them miscommunicate, listening to them communicate. I feel like sometimes I'm on the front row seat of a boxing match at times. Uh, Not literally, nobody's hitting each other, but there's this verbal verbal, sparring going on. I feel like I'm on the front row. Verbal boxing match. A verbal boxing match. That would be not as fun to watch as a boxing match. But I feel like I have a ringside seat to watching people not communicate well at times. 
I mean, you're probably, you're probably sometimes that like I'm in the ring, about right? Any of my current clients. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sometimes sometimes I feel like the ref. Sometimes I feel like the observer. Sometimes I I probably feel like one of their teenagers just sitting back watching this all unfold. I've seen it before. Uh, nevertheless, I get to watch this a lot. So your question about communication and some ground rules. Um, you know, I don't mind if people fight. I don't. I think conflict is healthy. I think that um, adults should disagree. I think that um, when you really care about life, when you really care about the thing that you're talking about, it's likely that you'll disagree. So I'm not in any way put off by con- conflict. So I wouldn't have a ground rule like don't fight. My, my, I keep going back to this phrase, stay connected. I always go back to the phrase, stay connected. It doesn't That's matter good. who you're talking to. If, if you're in conflict with somebody, you want to try to stay connected to them. So that could be your spouse that could be your in-law, that could be your your neighbor, that could be your teenager. Regardless, if you guys can fight and argue in a way where you can stay connected, that's about the only ground rule that I need. Obviously, I really don't want people using really aggressive language with each other. I don't want people using verbally abusive language. I'd rather people not call names or use put-downs. Um, you know, there's toxic caustic language that's like a nuclear bomb thrown into the conversation. I wish people would stay away from that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, they're adults, they're responsible for themselves. So if they can just stay connected, that's really the outcome that I'm looking for. Stay connected. I found in in some cases where, um, or if I'm talking about like budgeting or something with a client, um, where as they talk about maybe spending habits that they have not discussed is to have kind of create like almost like a judgment free zone where, hey, we're going to talk about some hard things, especially if if mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. Uh, I'm encouraging them to have that conversation. It's hey, have this conversation judgment free. Try not to cast judgment on the other um, because sometimes it's difficult to talk about these things. And I think that's a, a good idea um, if someone's being vulnerable and sharing and and sometimes money. I mean, money sometimes is is kind of like the the window into uh, our souls. Um, there's some vulnerability there. And I think that if we meet yeah. judgment too quickly, it's going to shut down one person and, and it just shuts the communication down. Yeah. So if you think about uh, a community, a, a, a continuum, that's the word I was looking for, a continuum with one end being judgment, what would the opposite end of that be? And, and I think of that word as being curiosity. So curiosity hmm. being, huh? That's interesting. Tell me about that versus what? You did what? You think What's the matter you want to do what you think? What's wrong with you? You're just like your mother. You know, Ooh, curiosity that, right? is the other side of that, right? Yeah, that's one of those nuclear bombs. Yeah. Curiosity is the other side of that, which is, ah, oh, that I didn't think about it that way. That's interesting. Tell me more about that. Explain that, you know. Give me your side of that. And that's what I love about questions cuz questions communicate that curiosity. I want to know more. Tell me more. Help me understand more. And I think that's why uh, questions are so important. And that's what I want to get to here. Um, what are some healthy questions that couples can ask each other? Maybe they can, you know, pour a glass of wine or go on a date and talk about money. It sounds thrilling. I know. I know. Um, but what are some questions that they can uh, ask each other? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing about money. 
in financial planning, we're, we're talking about goals, right? Most people think financial advisors, I'm gonna go to a financial advisor to save for retirement. Retirement is is kind of a goal, but it's a goal that doesn't have an end, mm. right? Most goals are binary. It's either I, I, I meet it or I don't. And you don't just retire, you have to stay retired, right? So mm. uh, mm-hmm. what, what I like to do is not necessarily focus on the, the, the big goal per se, you either do it or you don't, but what are some of the habits, what are some of the things that we can do, the, the, the systems, the processes, the behaviors, the habits that we need to be focused on now that are gonna not just help us win the game, but, but keep us in the game, if that makes sense. And I think having these questions early on um, in a marriage or in a relationship are good because you start to develop these behaviors together. So let's hop into it. Um, well, how do, you, how do you want to go about this? What's the best way to, to talk about these questions? Well, I, I really want to think about think about these as, as questions that uh, most couples need to discuss, but probably they're more useful for couples earlier in their relationship. Um, not to say that uh, these questions don't apply to people who have been together for a long time, Um they do. They probably do, particularly if they've never been discussed explicitly. But I think a lot of these questions are framed more for a couple who are newer or younger in their relationship. So um, I, I'm thinking about these in in a couple of categories. So they're not specific questions. They're more like different categories to discuss. And and the first one that I'd like to uh, to hop into is this this question about attitudes and values. It, and it, so the question could be framed something like, you know, what what are your what are your attitudes about money? What do you value what do you value? And how does how does your spending represent your values? So what are your attitudes about money? I think is a, a, an important topic of conversation. Yeah, I think that's good and I think part of understanding your attitude is really understanding maybe the environment in which you were raised in. Like, like what are your, what yeah. are the messages about money that you got as a kid growing up? Like, was money a thing that, uh, did, did your mom and dad fight about money? Did you get everything you wanted as a kid? Um, mm. Did, uh, um, was, was money even talked about? Maybe it just was, you know, mom and dad never mentioned it. It just didn't even come into the picture because they just never had those com- uh, conversations openly. Um, yeah. And and that's what I see is that when couples are coming together, sometimes one of them grew up in a in a home where money was handled in a very healthy way, very open way, um, not too open, appropriately open, and the other spouse or partner was was raised in a in a uh, an environment where money was much more toxic in some way or or it was very secretive or wasn't reliable, something like that. And so when those two people are coming together, they're really coming with these totally different money worldviews, if you will. They just see the thing, the tool, money, very differently. And so... I, yeah, I'll interact I, with people who, who who sometimes see money almost, I'm not going to say as a negative, but it's almost like dirty, kind of, right? And... and um they, they, they're constantly in financial issues, not because they don't make enough, it's because they don't manage it well. They, they don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, uh, some, some people grew up in homes where money was handled in such a way that now as an adult, they're afraid of money. They're scared of it and afraid to talk about it. Yeah. So, so some, I, of these, some of these questions um, 
under attitudes and values could be, you know, what? how do you feel about budgeting? How do you feel about saving? How do you feel about debt? Probably those are all things that they experienced from their parents or their, their growing up environment in some way. They saw their parents budget or not, or semi-budget. Um, they saw their parents save or not, or worry or think about saving. They saw their parents stressed about debt or not, you know, so all of those um, are, are things they have opinions on. For instance, I can remember that I had a friend when I was a kid who was the local banker. It just happened to be, I'd met him as a kid when, when he was an adult. Oh, he I was, was a, a banker kid. when you were a kid? Um, he was friends with my mom. And so he was, he was like 20 years older than me or 30 years oh, older than okay. me. He was, my, he was one of my parents' friends. He was one of my parents' friends and therefore became a friend of mine. Um, and I remember talking to him about money one time and he explaining to me that most people will not have the, 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 the amount of money to just buy a house outright, that you will probably have to take on debt to purchase a house. And the way he explained that to me made me feel like there is some debt that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Some debt that's not, some debt that, that, that is. And so as an adult, young adult, I wasn't totally afraid of debt. I was afraid of some debt, but not other debt. And that just that conversation with the banker explaining that to me, helped me have a view on debt that was different than some other people. Yeah. And so going into marriage, that was something that my spouse and I needed to talk about. Yeah, and, and let, me, let, me make a, let me stop for a second here and just put some of this in context. So the goal of these questions isn't necessarily to resolve something. It's not to convince the other person that they need to think the way that you think about money. It really just comes down to, hey, I want to I want to know you better and understand how you think about this stuff because the conversations will come up or the potential for conflict will come up and if I understand uh, where you're coming from or if I understand how you feel about um, debt, um, then I can better communicate with you. We can we can be set up to have more successful conversation. Yeah, I mean, their feelings are very important, and feelings often drive our reactions and our behaviors. And most of us have strong feelings about money. So once we understand that money, for most of us, can become an emotional trigger, if you will, then uh, we'll we'll have much greater understanding for why we become reactive in a money conversation. Uh, we'll yeah. we'll become we'll understand to a greater extent why our partner is becoming much more emotionally reactive because money taps into scarcity and fear and some of those really powerful emotions uh, that all of us wrestle with. So that's kind of I conversation. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I see this sometimes come into play when I'm talking to a couple and we're talking about investments and one is much uh, more willing to take risk than the other mm-hmm. is. And that becomes a conversation of uh, the more risky um, uh, spouse may need to step back a little bit and, and, and kind of humble themselves to what they want. And the, the, the spouse that's, that is more afraid of investing uh, might need to step out of their comfort zone and maybe they have to meet in the middle somewhere. So that's something where I see I'm understanding that. Now, me as a, an advisor, I'm kind of parsing through some of those emotions and those feelings and making a recommendation. But uh, that's a good example of, hey, you need to understand uh, your spouse and understand your partner in terms of like, how do they feel about these things? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, uh, one, one quick story about this. When I was a kid, again, uh, there was a, uh, I had a friend in my town whose dad drove a, a really cool BMW. And on the back of the BMW had a license plate thing that went around the license plate. And it said, he who dies with the most toys wins. And so I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, I want to win. I love to win. I need lots of toys. So, you know, as an as a immature teen, one of my values then would have been collect stuff. Yeah. But as I matured into an, an adult, one of my, my values shifted to leave stuff. Mm-hmm be able to pass on. So yeah. my, my financial values have changed from being totally about me to partly about me and partly about others and leaving a legacy. And that's a, that's a change in my own financial values. Yeah. Yeah. So the attitudes and values are important. I think, I think the, the point again here is it's very difficult to be in relationship with someone if you don't understand their values, if you don't understand their attitudes and money is one of those things where I see so often that people just don't have healthy conversations about them. And it's important to, to have those conversations. So can we shift from attitudes and values to another one of those? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know how you Con- frame the conversation earlier. categories. If yes. You will. Categories. Yeah. So conversation category number two would be financial skills and habits. What, how do you manage your money? What do you do on a month-to-month basis to keep track of your money? What are kind of your personal bookkeeping and accounting skills? Okay. Uh, yeah. And that could be, how do, you, how do you track your monthly expenses if you do? I mean, you and I were both raised in a time where we had checkbook registers. I haven't used one in a long time. Uh, so now, how are you keeping track of your money? Yeah. When, um, this is a funny story. When... Um, when I first got married, our first year of marriage, this was back in 2001, our first year of marriage, I was using Quicken to manage our checkbook. And uh, my wife was still using the check register. And we literally had two registers. Like she would she would balance the checkbook and I was on, on Quicken. I don't know if it's because there was just this, this, this just how we did it or, or what the, the circumstances were, but we, we did it totally separate. Yes, you had different habits and... and- a different process. And just curious, did they match always? I don't remember. Who who won when they didn't match? I don't, I don't remember. Well, we don't use a checkbook register anymore, so I'm not going to say that I won, but I'm just saying we don't use a checkbook register anymore. Ah. Uh, so, so financial skills and habits, uh, this can also relate to um, your current financial standings. If you're, if you're, you're just coming together as a couple, like what debt do you have? What are your current savings? Even things like um, if you if you have a consumer uh, credit or credit cards, what what are the interest rates? How frequently do you pay that off? Do you have a line of credit somewhere? All of do you have money from family coming in in some way? I mean, what what's your current financial standing? Those are also important. Like, I can see this. I can see this conversation happening. Right, you're getting to know someone. So, hey, what's your favorite color? Cool. What's your what's your favorite vacation spot? Awesome. Okay. What's your favorite food? Oh, I like that too. Do you have any debt? <laughs> what are your interest rates? <laughs> yeah. That's good. What's your plan for paying it off? That's good. Talking about yeah. money is very, very romantic. That's right. And then another part of this would be uh, to make it a little bit more romantic, I guess. How frequently do you have financial dates where you sit down together or meetings and have a, a meeting 
And and how how frequently are we going to do that? How are those going to be structured? How's that going to go? Who's going to lead that? Uh, couples do that by default somehow, some way. Um, they can discuss that on the front end a little bit with yeah. some intention. Do you want to be healthy about it or unhealthy about it? As a side note, as a side note, not just being funny. Uh, you're you're the couples counselor, so I'll, I'll leave this stat to you. And I don't I don't know the exact stat, but couples that report on having less financial conflict tend to have healthier, um, intimate lives. They have more sex, happier sex, better sex, because they have less financial conflict and stress. Yes, that those two things are correlated. So uh, it's an inverse correlation, you'll be happy to know, but it means the less financial stress the couple reports, the more uh, satisfactory intimacy they experience. So it's good They're to have these conversations. It's good to have healthy conversations about um, money. So what That's about right. anything else in skill and in, in habits? here or financial skill and financial there. I mean, there's obviously a lot of questions that, that could be asked in this category. Um, yeah, anything no, else that I jumps think, to mind? I, I just think that this is an ongoing one in the sense that generally for couples, their finances get more complicated over time. And so even if they have good foundational skills, those, those skills and habits may need to adjust over time. Um, and then with techno technological advances, processes can change over time. So mm -hmm. just as you guys yep. were talking about, or you were talking about that uh, the check register versus uh, QuickBooks or Quicken or something like that, there will be more tools in the next few years and several years that will enable uh, different processes. So the this this isn't a one-time conversation. These are ongoing conversations. Yeah. And, and this is complicated stuff. I know you and I have worked with couples that are not on first marriages, they, they might be on second marriages. So like finances are even more complicated. It's even more convoluted. There's more emotion tied into some of this stuff. So, so these conversations are uh, difficult um, to have, yeah. especially I find, so my wife and I, we got married young. I mean, we were, I mean, 21. Uh, so we were still developing our adult habits, right? Yeah. We haven't really, we hadn't really settled into to any um, um, uh, big, deep habits. So we were able to kind of grow together. But when you're coming together, um, middle-aged or, or you already have, you know, existing habits, man, it becomes difficult to, to yeah, have right. these conversations and to change quite frankly. Yeah. And, um, you were talking about second marriages or third marriages. Um, and just the, the uh, for f the more that you acquire, the more, uh, that you own, oftentimes it gets more complicated. And then for business owners, small business owners, entrepreneurs, there's this whole other side of the business finances that have to be incorporated into personal finances and discussed at home. And sometimes couples do that really well and often yep. they don't. Cool. So kind of tied to that is the next category. You want to bring us there? Yeah. So how, how are we going to collaborate on our finances? How are we go as a, as a unit, as a team, how are we going to uh, get on the same page and stay on the same page financially. And tied to that, how are we going to communicate about finances? Yeah, so maybe we've established our values, we've established our attitudes, and maybe there's some differences or some commonalities. We've established maybe our individual skills and our individual habits of managing money. Maybe there's um, commonality and maybe there's differences. Now, how are we actually going to pull it together? What, what, what's the next step? How do we get um, how do we get on the same page or, or at least in the same chapter? Or maybe yeah. maybe we got to start on getting on the same book. 
Right. So picture, picture two circles overlapping. One circle would be one spouse's values and skills, and the other circle would be the other spouse's values and skills. And the degree to which those circles overlap uh, is, is the easy part. If, we, if we're on the same page and they overlap significantly, 80, 85%, that's the easy part. It's that other 15% where we differ that's going to be challenging. And so I'd like, I'd like couples to be able to sketch out that other differing percentage of what is that? What makes it difficult for us to stay on the same page? Um, is it that we have a different process or we have different skills or we have different spending habits or we have different uh, savings goals? Um, what is that bit? And when that rears its ugly head and, and uh, becomes a hurdle for us, how do we get back on the same page? And as we were saying at the beginning, how do we stay connected mm-hmm. even when we're getting disconnected financially? Yeah, that's, um, that's good. There's a, um, it's a really good book. It might be, we talked about this on our, one of our early, earlier podcasts with, um, Dr. Ashley Brooks, I believe. I think it's, uh, Ruby Payne's book about poverty. And I think it's in that book where she lays out like the rules of the different, um, socioeconomic classes, like the rules of of poverty, the rules of the middle class and the rules of the upper class about money. And it's so fascinating to, and and I can't think of any specific examples here. Um, but, but the idea is just, yeah, I I can give you a couple of examples. give, Give me a good example. So oftentimes with, with, uh, lower socioeconomic class, um, we often see kind of a, uh, a live for today attitude. I don't know, um, when the next bit of money's coming, I know we have this much money now, so let's spend it, um, to get the thing that we need now or to enjoy it now. So you have spouse one, spouse one coming from that background. Okay. mm -hmm. And then spouse two. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying for spouse one, I'm not saying they're frivolous in that way. Uh, Not at all. It's just uncertainty about when money is going to be coming in. Mm -hmm. And so what do we need now? What are, what's pressing now? And that could be fun and entertainment. It could be, we really need something joyful right now. Um, Whereas spouse two, if let's say they're coming from a much more middle-class background, a middle-class value is often saving for the, for the future or saving for a much larger purchase. So um, saving for college, for instance, is, a, is kind of a middle-class value, even though that could be 15 or 20, 20 years away. For a lower income, a person from a lower income bracket, 20 years away is just seems, seems impossible when you need food today, when you need shoes today, when you need a refrigerator or transportation today. Um, you know, saving yeah. for that far away is difficult. Whereas upper income people are much more likely or much more uh, accustomed to using money to build relationships, to network, to curry favors, to uh, to uh, build out a larger strategy of 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 gaining influence. Um, so, yeah, yeah different so, values, different ways that money is used. And it's not like. It's not necessarily wrong or right. It's more indifferent. It's understanding because obviously there's a time. Like I have to tell people sometimes to um, my clients, I'm like, you, you need to you need to enjoy your money a little bit more. Yeah. Like like you're you're over saving for retirement. Let's focus a little bit more on on today as opposed to 
20 years from now, but I've also had the exact opposite conversation. Like, well, you need to, you need to slow down over here because you need to take care of, of, of tomorrow. Uh, so, and again, in a, in a, in a relationship, understanding that being able to communicate around that is, is so important. And so in this, uh, conversation topic about, uh, collaboration and communication, one other aspect that I would like couples to discuss is when we talk about money and when we're on different pages and we're starting to get aggravated with each other, what are the deeper emotions that start to come up for me? And what are the, what fears are those emotions connected to? I know this sounds very therapy oriented. It is, but we're often driven by deeper emotions, more, more, uh, powerful emotions. And so, um, if I'm getting angry during the conversation, that anger is often tied to a fear. Fear of, I'm not going to get what we need. We're not going to have enough in the future. Um, we're wasting our money, something like that. So if you can, if you can connect your, your, your reaction, your, mm-hmm. your emotional reaction to a deeper fear, it will help you explain that better to your partner. And if your partner, in their own curiosity, can understand that, hear that, and validate that, even if you don't ever agree, you can stay much more connected in the process. Yeah. I know a big one is security. You know, uh, you know, I talk a lot about financial security because people want to be secure, and, and money is a vehicle to, to kind of help give some um, security, particularly, you know, in regards to to material items, you know, food and, and, and shelter, right? You need, you need yeah. money to provide that stuff. So security is a big one, um, for, for people. Exactly. So let's move into the last category here as we wrap up. What's the last one? Uh, some conversation around financial stress or the stress that finances bring for each of us. And let's talk about that. So, uh, thinking about um, being able to communicate uh, openly and transparently, transparently, what actually does worry you or stress you out about finances in general and our finances in particular? What are you worrying about? Yeah, I think something you said earlier is about that underlying issue, right? The fear or, or, or that security. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily come out and, and you have to dig sometimes to figure out exactly what it is, right? What yeah, worries it might, me? It, it might come out as anger, criticism, mm-hmm. attack. It might come out as kind of indifference, avoidance. A lot of people, when they're really worried about talking about something, they just avoid it altogether. They come up with a hundred different reasons not to talk about that. So um, the, the the unavailable dad who who owns a business and overworks and is never home, right? Um, maybe it's he's trying to avoid his family, but maybe he's afraid that he won't be able to provide. Yeah, and I'm specifically talking about avoidance as a way to uh, as a way to deal with your own stress. So it might, stress can sometimes come out as anger and criticism, but it can sometimes come out as just shutting down and avoiding it. So throughout our life, we're going to be worried about something financially at some time, and that usually changes over the course of a lifetime. It's usually not the same thing. So one year it might be a healthcare expense. Another year it might be a job change like many people are going through right now. Another year might be um, rebuilding from a tragedy or a disaster or just a, a major repair. 
uh, another year that fries out in the middle of the summer in new orleans uh yeah i heard about that recently from a friend um another year it might be wanting to really give away a lot of money or uh you know, pay for a big wedding or give a big gift or something like that. So it's different stresses at different phases of life. And just to put a finer point on this, you know, I grew up backpacking with my my dad and I would always go backpacking. And when you're out backpacking, when you're walking down a trail, you know, the thing, the scarcity thing that comes up in your mind is generally not dollars. It's usually not like how much money do I have in my wallet? It's usually, are we safe? Where are we going to sleep? Do we have water? Do we have food? Mm -hmm. But when you get off the trail, immediately you stop thinking about water, food. You you start thinking about, do I have enough gas? Do I have money in my checking account to pay my bills? Do I have, you know, adequate insurance? All kinds of other things. So just depending on where you are in life, this security issue, this issue of do I feel financially secure can take on a number of different forms, but we see it throughout the socioeconomic experience. Yeah, in fact, um, in in my ebook, one of the things that I talk about, one of the things I tried to do in it is, and we have to have a show just on that in of itself, what I tried to yeah. do is distill uh, financial principles that transcend income it transcends wealth what are those things that regardless of your your um, financial status are important to have financial success and distill them down um, mm. to those things and you know a, a conversation that I have often with people is we need to focus on what's in your control especially lately you know yeah. where there's a lot of unknowns right now that we have an election coming up a lot of people are afraid about that what happens if this happens what happens if that happens so there's a lot of a lot of fear and a lot of concern that quite frankly is outside of our control mm. and we have to be able to to focus on what we can control and i think one of the things that we can control especially if we're 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 in a in a relationship right we can control how those conversations happen and i think that's something that we should work at and as you said stay connected right we 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 get married or we're in relationships why because we enjoy connection we want to yeah. be connected we don't get into relationships because we like conflict and this topic about money is an important one to have uh, conversations around because as we say it impacts practically every aspect of our life yeah and if we can't have healthy conversations with our partners and spouses on this stuff then we're we're, we're setting ourselves up for um for a lot of disappointment do you want a um a, a bonus question i'd love a bonus question so if you if you if you're advanced and you're and you're you're really grounded emotionally and you really want to to uh move this in the right way you can go to your spouse at at a good time and you can say <laughs> is there something that i do financially that worries you Ooh. is there some way in which i handle finances that makes you nervous man you're like you're going all vulnerable huh have you asked your yeah. wife that question Ooh, not in a while, probably. <laughs> um, but I know, I know what I know what I do that that makes her a little nervous. You know, early on, I would just say we've been married a long time too. And early on, um, I was more of a spender than she was. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so early on, my proclivity to spend money, whether we really had it or not, is what made her nervous. Um, and we've been married long enough to know that um, that's, that's, that's part of who we are. That, that didn't go away entirely. Um, we have more money, so it's a little easier now, but it hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. And, and so just being where I'm much more mindful now of if my, if my spending is causing consternation yeah. for her. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ask my wife that question when I get home. I guess Let's bonus see. question number two would be, Oh man, this is like, like double bonus territory. Is, is there something that I could be doing? Uh, f- not, not financially, but is there something about, are my financial habits that I could do differently to bring more peace to our relationship. Now, are you, are you asking that question with the hopes that your wife will equally ask you that same question so that you have an opportunity to tell her what you want her to do different? I, <laughs> Is that, that's a good strategy. I like the strategy that, that was not in my gut at, at the moment. It's, I asked it. it's a right. risky strategy. Yeah. So that's kind of like, uh, tell me, tell me, I'll tell you my secret if you tell me yours kind of thing. That's not, <laughs> it, it really is genuinely, you know, again, when you're emotionally grounded, you're feeling good, you're at a good place to be able to just vulnerably say, I, I want you to hold a mirror up to my financial skills and habits and, and let me know what I'm doing that scares you. So let me bring this conversation full circle. Okay. And then we'll wrap up. I started off by asking ground rules. Okay. And kind of jokingly, you know, I said that you're asking that question with the hopes that she would ask that question. I would say a ground rule of healthy communication mm-hmm. is to, uh, especially if you're asking questions, ask questions to actually learn. Yeah. Don't ask a question um, with with the intent to, to try to educate or talk to someone. Ask because you truly are curious, as you said, and you really want to understand um, and in this context, you really want to understand to strengthen uh, your relationship. Hmm. Yeah, is that a good I like ground it. Rule? A, a great ground rule is don't ask a question with the intention to to educate your spouse. Great ground rule. Boom. Awesome. Look, at the end of the day, uh, as we talk about, Matt, we, we believe in relationships. We think relationships, and you might not be married. You might be single, but you're in relationship with people. That's right. And relationships are important. Um, I often say that uh, relationships are more valuable than currency at the end of the day. Having strong relationships will carry you through um, just about anything. I'd rather be poor and have good relationships than rich Um, without any solid relationships. So take the time, take the time to invest in your relationships. They are, they are the guts of life. They are the guts of life. Awesome. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated.